You're listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are brimming with passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jennifer Justice. And today we're excited to take you on part tour of our tour of the home buying journey. What are we doing today? I'm so confused. Part two of our home buying journey series from start to keys. And part two, we're going to be talking about how to find your dream home. And getting pre-qualified. Right. That's part of it. So in the previous episode, we talked a lot about mortgages and lenders. APRs, DTIs, debt to income ratios, all of that important stuff. The costs of home, et cetera. So first in finding your dream home is probably that next step which is getting Getting pre-qualified a very important step in the home buying journey because this is where we're going to find out from the lender what the amount is that we are getting pre-qualified for so it's going to help us with that budget piece that we talked about in the last segment where we're going to give all of our data to the lender which is why trust again becomes very important all right so let's talk about that process right so you you found a lender Right. And uh, somebody who's going to. Uh, Your trusted lender. You've interviewed your people that you want to interview and you've selected someone that you'd like to move forward with. And they're going to ask you a lot of important financial questions and they're going to ask you to collect some data. So what we want to do here is prepare you for that data collection. So go ahead and go around your house and dig through your stacks of paperwork <laughs> or your files in your computer as they most may be of, these most days. Most of this stuff is available electronically. I mean, I know yeah. paychecks are and, and whatnot. So. You're going to be asked to give most likely a variety of things, but they would include uh, paycheck stuff. ID. Well, IDs. ID is yeah. usually number one. They want to make sure you say who you are is who you are. And then they're going to ask for paycheck stubs. And usually that minimum is two months of paycheck stubs, although it doesn't ever hurt to be prepared with more. And save those as you're going forward, because before you close, you may likely have to provide an update to the information. Supplement is what they call that. You're going to supplement the information that you've provided. You're also going to provide them with bank statements. You're going to show the debits and credits of your account. Again, two months is a good rule of thumb. W-2s, if you're a W-2 employee, or 1099s, if you're a 1099 employee, you're going to want to have those ready to go. Assets, IRAs, retirements, all those fun financial documents, your lender's going to want those. Tax returns is a really important one. I've actually had that question from my clients before is, this lender wants my tax returns. Well, what that means is the lender wants to verify what you're telling them in regards to income is what you have also reported to the IRS. So we're going to want to make sure that all of our financial things are on the same page. All right. So what's the net result of this? I give all this information to my lender. What do I get in return? What is a prequalification? You get a piece of paper or an electronic document as they sometimes come nowadays, that's going to say, Joe Smith is qualified for a $250,000 home of the address TBD to be determined. And so you are going to get an official statement from the lender with their stamp of approval, essentially saying you are pre-qualified for this amount. And once you're qualified for this amount, you can then go back to your budget and then start finding that home of said price. So... Uh, you're going to get a, a letter or an email, something, right? Some kind of document, PDF, PDF whatever, whatever yeah, get. that says, hey, you're qualified. Now, this is important. Let, let me just kind of point out for, for two things. Number one, it's important for you and, and, and your realtor 
to understand what it is you actually can qualify for, right? So that you're not going out and looking at homes that are way above your budget. But the most important thing it's probably for is, is that when you do make that offer, right, it is a, a commitment from a lender that they've done a precursory look of your finances. And based on that initial look, they believe that they're going to be able to finance you for X number of dollars. Correct. Yeah. It's going to get that piece, you know, more uh, buttoned up, if you will. Now, this is not the final, 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 as uh, we'll explore through this topic as we are of the home buying journey here. But this is the initial precursor from the lender saying that Joe Smith is qualified for $250,000. And we do feel confident as this lender in saying that we are going to finance him for this amount of money or whatever that is. If your purchase price and your loan amount are two different amounts, that's usually also spelled out. And then don't be shocked, right? If if you get to a position where, because a lot of realtors and typically uh, I follow this pattern, I believe you do as well, which is, is that we don't show homes to potential buyers until they have their pre-qualification. Yeah, we don't want to take people through other people's homes that haven't made that commitment to the process um, because it is a courtesy to people as the home being typically their largest financial instrument that we are taking pre-qualified clients through their home. Right. There, there are some exceptions to that rule, but typically you could, yeah. if there are open houses available, you could certainly do that without a pre-qualification. You can certainly drive through a neighborhood without a pre-qualification. But when you're taking that step of setting appointments and touring homes, it is courteous to be pre-qualified. And quite frankly, it's good for everyone involved so that we have done a little bit of due diligence because this is an important process. All right. So step one in finding your dream home, get pre-qualified. And one, of the, one other thing we wanted to point out, Eric, is when we're talking about collecting that data. This is data that's shared with the lender. Um, your realtor could be one person that you do share this information with. And Eric and I could help you on that process of scanning the documents if you needed help with that or something. Most, you know, a lot of people these days have it. But this is something that goes to the lender. This is not something that is realtors. We necessarily need this data. We need the lender to have this data to issue the pre-qualification letter, which is the document that your realtor will need. Right. So you don't have to share this with your realtor. You can obviously ask your realtor for some help if you're not particularly savvy with uploading it to a, a lender secure site or what have you. But yeah, so you don't necessarily have to give this to your lender. I exactly. mean, your, your realtor. That, but that's step one, right? Get this this document, right? So step two, and I love I love this because you know you always hear in business, right? Uh, what are the three most important things for choosing uh, for your business? And they are location, location, and number three, location. There you go. All right. So let's talk a little bit about location when it comes to home buying, and and um, it, it seems on the face of it something that's uh, obvious. Uh, but maybe sometimes when you get focused in on the home itself and its amenities, you kind of forget about location. So the first thing you need to do is you need to think about yourself, right? Yeah, we really want to think about, as our client, Eric and I want to know what's important to you. So is your pet important to you? Is your commute to work important to you? Is the hiking trail or walkability important to you. These are all just a few things we'll discuss and that you need to think about, but trust your gut. What's important to you? That's where we're going to start. So let's talk about pets for a second. Uh, some, the, the National Association of Realtors, NAR, they do a lot of uh, studying on home ownership and, and home financing things around homes. And uh, they have recently produced some information about pet ownership. 63% of homeowners uh, have a pet and 3% uh, are planned to get one. So that's 66% or two thirds of all homeowners have a pet. 
Uh, and I, I don't know that that shocks me as much, but here's the one that, that I found incredibly interesting, which is 43% of U.S. households would be willing to move or change their living situation to accommodate their pet. Hey, let's face it. Dog parks and cat cafes are a real thing in today's society, and people are obviously very dedicated to their pets. Eric and I are no exception to that, although um, living on land, I feel like I give my pets freedom and to roam, and that's good for me. But I know a lot of people like Mackin Park, North Kansas City area, they literally move there because they love that dog park. And then Midtown has got cat cafes, so if it's important to take your feline with you for your cup of coffee, you've got cat cafes. Hey, don't, don't, don't knock the lizard lovers now just because. Lizard lovers. <laughs> and Allison from KZIR, we know you're a bird lover. So we know that all pets are um, very important to our clients and we, we want to take that into consideration. But we were talking about location and with pets, location is important for a couple of reasons. And, and the first is, is what the restrictions and rules are by the city and by the HOA. And I'm not just talking about some, the, the aggressive breed controversy. I'm talking about things like fences, uh, fences mm-hmm. right? Whether or not you're allowed to let your dogs run off a leash, even in your own backyard, whether you're to put up dog houses or an electronic fence, for example, there is a, a neighborhood that's a lovely neighborhood. Wrist Lake does not allow fences. Yeah. Um, and so you have to be able to, some dogs work with electric fences. Some my, dogs don't. My so. neighborhood doesn't even allow electric fences. Oh my. Yeah. So, some so of HOAs them, are an important consideration. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, Eric and I have talked about my daughter, Tana, who literally decided to change renting in Atlanta for going to Emory for her PhD. She was thinking about renting. They have a Rottweiler. And so the struggle was real when we were looking to rent a property in Atlanta. So we flipped to, hey, what does this look like to buy a home literally because of a pet? Right. So this is, you know, real conversation when we come down to things, because sometimes renting with pets obviously is not as advantageous as buying a home for a pet. Great yard. May we have a fence or not, et cetera, et cetera. Accessibility to dog parks or uh, you know, lizard parks, if there is such a thing. All right. So then we move on. And I think uh, sort of obvious uh, is is commutes. And it's sort of obvious because everybody thinks about their work commute. This is so far from work. And I go to work, you know, and come home from work, you know, 10 times a week or yeah, whatever but volunteering it is. is another piece of that. Do you volunteer a lot at Big Brothers Big Sisters or do you volunteer a lot somewhere else? Or do you like to go hiking? How far is that commute to that hiking trail or that equestrian trail? You know, in Smithville, there's a lot of people that love that equestrian trail up at Smithville Lake. So these are all the things. So what commute, whether that's your work commute or whatever, you know, run that through a few times. Actually, you know feel what that feels like from the location yeah. that you think you want to be at. Yeah, make the drive if, yeah. you, if you're not familiar with it, especially if you're commuting during rush hour. Try to find a way to be able to go into work late one day and make the drive from a potential neighborhood. All right. And, and, and try and make it about 20-ish minutes because then you can get Eric and I in on our podcast on your commute to work. <laughs> there you go. Or wherever you're commuting to. All right, but also consider that, right? Consider your distance to your favorite entertainment venues, right? Your your recreation venues, like you were mentioning, hike, hiking trails, uh, daycare, which is pretty obvious to a lot of people who utilize daycare. Uh, some of the places you really like to shop. Um, and then, of course, here's another one, which is distance to family. And of course, sometimes that can be that it's too far or that it's too close. (laughs) And we've talked about um, walkability just kind of slightly in this. But, you know, if it's important to you not to have a vehicle because it is becoming more of a trend in today's society where we have people that move from areas that have amazing commutes uh, or amazing public transit. I'm sorry. We don't have that necessarily in Kansas City yet. And so if you live in Midtown, there is an opportunity for you to use the streetcar that we have here and we can, you know, 
talk about that walkability factor. Oh, and they're oh. running the streetcar all the way to the plaza. That's plans for that now. So we've got an option for the streetcar, but if you live in suburbia where Eric and I are, you're going to have to take an Uber. So what does that budget look like to be able to take an Uber to work if you need to take it to work or your local grocery store? All right. So just a couple of more quick things, right? Uh, one is be sure when you go look at a home, you're driving it, everything, and you're looking around, look at various times of the day. That's really important. Parking becomes a real and, and, issue at various times of the day. And parking would be the next thing, you know, the right? last thing. To Just selling on. a home, a townhome to uh, a client. And if we go there in the middle of the day with their one car garage in their driveway that they have, there's lots of parking available. But if we go there at 530, um, it's a much different situation because you can't block driveways, block mailboxes, et cetera, et cetera. While you'll always have your own parking space, you need to think about guests, et cetera. Right. So location is really important and it seems obvious, but I think sometimes when you get involved in like seeing that house and that kitchen and those, you know, you get a little bit lost or, or sometimes forget the importance of location. Location is also work that you can do before you get to an individual home, right? You can make all of these observations about the various neighborhoods that you're focusing in on. So I think that's really important. Let's move on. Let's talk about touring homes. And before we get into the actual touring of homes, I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about the various um, online options for touring homes. Or virtual tours. Right. So many different options we have nowadays for this. So let me let me run through them and then let's talk about some of the pros and cons. So right, traditionally there's pictures and then there's the the virtual tour. But a virtual tour can be a lot of different things. Right, a virtual tour can be uh, still slide set to music. Those drive me nuts, by the way. Um, that they can be these um, sort of click through 360s that allows you to sort of click through and walk through the house and and see it in a 3D virtual. Or those are my favorite. Uh, and then I guess what is growing on me now when they're done well this is the other kind of virtual tour is in fact a, a, an actual video walkthrough where somebody's taking a video walkthrough and if they do that well. Some of those sometimes are narrated and sometimes they're not, right? But a virtual tour can mean any of those things, right? And then the, the last thing that I want to mention on virtual tour is something that's happening more and more. I think it's a great thing for the industry is, is a live open house. So we've all, or many of us, most of us have, have you know, over a period of time uh, gotten used to the various uh, video conferencing tools, Zoom, Google Meet, a variety of others. Um, yeah, uh, like it or love it, I think it's here to stay in. When we're talking about those Zoom open houses, this is becoming one of our favorite tools or one of our favorite things to think about, whether it's for our listing or for our buyers to be able to participate in, where we are actually, as the agent, if we're the listing agent, we're in the home and we can host like a Zoom meeting or a Google Hangouts or whatever your favorite uh, thing is there. And we can be in the home, let you know that, hey, we're going to schedule this time from one to two o'clock Sunday afternoon. And we're going to be available in this video conference to answer your questions. So, you know, if you want to know which direction the house faces, if you want to know what a particular view is off of the deck, if you want to know what kind of master bathroom handle is in something or what kind of shower or maybe the master closet's really important, we can give you a more in-depth look at that and we can interact with you in this virtual open house. Right. So you, you end up having somebody walk through with a camera, but then you can talk and ask them questions. You can ask them to point the camera somewhere different. Uh, and then, you know, if it's well attended, you can also be listening to th other things that people are thinking about, which may or may not uh, have occurred to you in that moment. So it's, it's really kind of a, a lots of benefits too. Yeah. You don't even have to be in the state. You don't even have to be in the vicinity and we can give you this virtual open house and get you in. So saves time, um, hopefully helps answer 
other questions that you might have not even thought about. So I think this is a really good tool for the future and it's a really cool option. I, I think it gets us closer and closer to not having to do uh, certainly as many uh, 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 in-person appointments mm-hmm. uh, and, and possibly getting us closer to that that nirvana where we could theoretically eliminate them. But well, and we're helping I think we're a long people, way off. Yeah, yeah, we're a very long way off, I still think. But it's a good point, Eric, that we can qualify and disqualify that house as a buyer, sometimes very easily from a virtual open house. Because, sure. you know, a lot of times we know what we don't want right. and we know less about what we actually do want. But maybe there's a defining factor that through a virtual open house, you're able to say, I'm glad I didn't waste my time going to see that house because they were able to answer my question. Absolutely. And sometimes a set of still pictures just don't give you those answers. It's a little tough because we are going to showcase a home in its best light in photos. At least our company certainly will do that. And we hope others will as well. All right. So let's talk about because we're finding our dream home. Let's talk about touring homes right when we're in person. Yeah, let's talk about listing agents being present is a thing scheduling appointments, um, respecting other people's property, all kinds of things we're going to dig into with this topic. All right. So let's jump right into appointments. So uh, I want to, I have a property and I want to go see it. Um, I'm going to contact my realtor and say, Hey, I'd like to go see this property. What are some of the considerations? Well, right now the consideration is how quick can you get there if this property (laughs) is around $250,000, but no, let's be real. So um, in, you know, your home buying journey, if this is a priority right now, we are in a seller's market. So being is that we're in a seller's market, we need to make ourselves very available as the buyer to be able to see that house as soon as it comes on the market to try and get there and do that. But, you know, another thing in different price points, uh, especially executive homes, is sometimes those people actually do want 24 hours notice. So courteous if we can, but I know that's a tough place to be as a buyer. Make yourself totally available, but also be open to the fact that the seller may not want us showing for 24 hours. So um, it's kind of that fine variance of being very available, but also being considerate of the seller of their largest financial instrument. So, right. So when you're making an appointment, a couple of things that make a huge difference is whether it's owner occupied or vacant, right? Doing a a showing on the drop of a hat uh, while it's vacant is, is not a big deal. But sometimes, right, having a showing on an owner-occupied house is tough. And if you've ever listed a house, you understand this or been around a house that's been listed, right? You, chances are that you're doing something with your pets. Chances are you're doing something with your children. You're cleaning it up. You're touching it up. It's like you're having the queen come visit, right? You're trying to make your house as perfect as possible. And so having somebody say, hey, I don't want you to just give me 10 minutes notice is, is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we sort of have to respect that. Um, and when we set up appointments and then another thing I would make, and this is just a general sort of be respectful of people's time, particularly cause you don't know, but if they're leaving the house with kids or pets or whatever, and you say you're going to be there at five, you know, and, and, and I get that showing schedules get off, but, but try your hardest, right. To actually be timely. Yeah. Especially right now where we're not overlapping showings because we're mid pandemic. Um, it becomes very important because if you're showing slides, then another showing might not be able to slide and another showing, another showing. And you want to be respectful of people and giving their space when they're in their 15, 30 minute appointment, because again, largest financial instrument, important decision, give people a little bit of space to tour that home and be respectful of time that's, you know, in that appointment. A couple of interesting things that uh, we'll cover um, before we wrap up about seeing a home in person. And one is uh, listing agents being present. Now, 
this varies across the country pretty significantly. Uh, various regions, there are regions out there where listing agents are present in almost every showing. Uh, then there are areas, Kansas City, where they're not typically present unless you get in the higher dollar homes. Um, however, that that's a, a trend that you shouldn't worry about. I personally like to be at showings as a listing agent, and I know that's somewhat unusual. And it can sometimes make people feel like they're a little bit awkward, uh, you know, that the whole situation is awkward. But let me tell you how you can handle it if a listing agent is there is um, if a listing agent is there and they're standing next to you and you're walking through room by room, then, yeah, they're probably being a little bit intrusive. However, a, a listing agent that's present because maybe there's a couple of special features on the home or maybe that they have a lot of information to be able to answer questions about that home that says, hi, I'm here, I'm going to stay out of your way, but please ask me if you have any questions. That, that's a great tool to have. We are a resource and it's pretty likely that we have been to that home multiple times. It could be a friend or a family member. It could be someone we know very well. So we could know a lot of information. So use us as a resource. That's really what we're there for is um, to answer your questions, to make this the best possible experience for you that's possible on both buyer and seller side. I know on my listings, I spend a lot of time in the home with, with the, the sellers, my clients, and I go through as a buyer and I ask all of these questions like, well, I see, you know, that scratch there and how did that happen? And did you ever have a pet? And is there, and I ask all those questions and that way uh, I can answer them to anybody who's asking. So that just really helps out the process. So don't be too intimidated. And if they are following you around and making you uncomfortable, let them know. Just say, hey, um, would you mind waiting in the other room while we look at the house? Now, yeah, or we'll be waiting outside, you know, like I said, mid-pandemic, we'll be there to answer your questions, but likely we would be waiting outside now for our buyers or sellers. We would tour with our own personal buyers through homes. Um, the listing agent typically is letting us in so that we aren't touching more things. A lot of times they've turned on the lights for us, et cetera, et cetera. And then we are just there as a resource. But again, as a buyer, we just always ask that you're respectful of this person's home because obviously we want this to be, if this is your decision for your dream home, we want someone to have the same respect if you decided to go and sell the home. So just be mindful that this is someone's home and largest financial instrument. Most of the time, although there are these investment vacant houses that we kind of scratch the surface of, which are a little bit different than somebody's personal home. So one last thing, and then I'll kind of tie that and the whole listing agent being present thing up is, is that at this stage in the game, the way we are in society with the various tools that we have, technological tools, um, it, it's okay generally to make an assumption that you're being recorded in the home. Yeah, it absolutely. I mean, in this day and age, we have rings, we have all different kinds of electronic modes of um, security, if you will. And there's likely cameras and or video recording and, stuff and in the home, recording. audio recording stuff in the home. So, you know, just be respectful. I, treat other people as you would want your home to be treated. Let's use the golden rule here. It's just a good example. And, and move that if, way. If you find something distasteful or you think that isn't particularly a great use of space or just color, put it on your con list. <laughs> don't you don't have to harp right. on it. You just put it on your con list. But this also comes a little bit to negotiations later on, which is as a general rule, don't discuss price inside of a house. Right. With your agent who's walking through with you. Wait until you're outside of the house. Right. Again, assume, maybe not in front of the doorbell, though. Yeah. Yeah. Not in front of the ring. 
uh, assume that you are being recorded, right? Wait yeah, until that's a you're good practice a, yeah. everywhere in this day and age is just right. act as if you're being recorded so that you're not ashamed of your actions later. That's just a good rule of thumb to do. I mean, and another thing that we talked about, I just said, putting it on your con list. So, you know, on this things to look for as you're touring this home, I always recommend that you make a pros and cons list because it's a subjective way to actually analyze that home that can really help you think about things. So what are the pros of this home? You know, we vote buyers love good kitchens. Buyers love good master bedrooms and bathrooms, and it could have all of those things. Um, but say the kitchen is glorious and you really wanted two bathrooms, for example, and it only has one. Or the backyard is just not your dream backyard, but that kitchen is really awesome, man. You know, so sit down, pen and paper, make that pros and cons list or notes on your Apple phone or your Samsung or whatever you got working there. Make your pros and cons list because that's a subjective way for you to be able to analyze this house and hopefully remember some things that maybe you might forget after you leave it. Right. So I, I, I think that touches sort of on our final point, which is, is, you know, we'll talk about walking through a home from a sort of this really objective perspective when we start talking about inspections. Right. But from that subjective place where you go in and you go, oh, my gosh, this kitchen is so marvelous. Or can you believe how wonderful that master, that closet in the master is? I could put all of my clothes in there or, or whatever it is. Right. Uh, that wow factor, that whole subjective, this feels right. I love it. You, you've got to be careful that your your must haves and your like to haves, which is a great list to put together before you walk through a house um, that, that you're taking care of that. And that's where your pros and cons list comes in after you walk through a house. So, yeah, And one of the things we've talked about, you know, is bedrooms. So does that great kitchen is wonderful, but does that bedroom size meet your needs? What do you have to put in that bedroom? If you're keeping your bedroom set that you currently have, will it fit in this master bedroom if it's a little smidge small? But again, we love that kitchen, right? So these are just items of consideration that we want our buyers to think about because we don't want them to regret their home purchase. That's always something we want to avoid is that we have done a good job as their realtor and their trusted real estate advisor showcasing all the facets of this home to them and making sure that they're making the right decision. Absolutely. All right. So just to recap, we've talked about finding our dream home, getting pre-qualified, making sure that you understand the location and have researched it, that your touring homes, your options, both online, and then some things to look for from a very subjective place and meeting your wants and needs list. And, and probably one of the most important things, which is making that pros and cons list. That's all the time we have for today to talk about finding our dream home. But tune in next time where we're going to be talking about making offers, making offers, all this information around contracts, really exciting stuff. Get into the nutty gritty, baby. All right. Until then. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, Visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com, where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.